welcome to the Vancouver Tech Podcast. We're your hosts, Lauren Bates and Drew O'Grizzik. And we're here with our special guest, John Thompson. Thank you very much for joining us, John. Drew, happy to be here. Hi, Lauren. Hi, John. So, John, I reached out to you a few days ago um, regarding your recent book, Building Analytics Teams, and invited you on. So I'm super happy that you're here to talk about that and uh, the rest of your background, I suppose. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your book, uh, Building Analytics Teams? What is it all about and who would benefit from reading it? Thanks for that opportunity, Drew. I started writing the book or at least thinking about the book last year. And I did a few presentations in Chicago and other places around the United States asking people, you know, hey, how do you feel about your analytics teams and the people that are working on it and the cohesion and, and those kind of topics? And I got a, just an incredible response. So I, I actually stopped writing a book that I was writing on uh, artificial intelligence and ethics. And I started to write this book. So this book, Building Analytics Teams, Harnessing Analytics and Artificial Intelligence for Business Improvement, is for people who are hiring and managing high-performance advanced analytics and AI teams. So if you were a manager and you're responsible for a data science team, this book was written for you. Why don't we back up a little bit because it, it sounded really interesting the way that you um, led into that. You were in the process of writing a different book and you went out and started talking to people, sort of, I guess, validating the, the idea of that book. And you found that what people really wanted was something a little different and then you decided to go with that? Yeah, exactly. I was, uh, I, I've always been interested in, in ethics and data and analytics and understanding how we can handle people's data and, and generate analytics that treat them with respect and, and respect their, their privacy and, and make sure that we're being responsible in the work we do. Uh, but I also saw that there were four really good books that came out right when I started writing that other book. And I've always been intrigued uh, about analytics teams and why they're successful, why they're not successful, who makes a good team member, what are the traits, what are their characteristics, how do they collaborate. And when I started talking to different groups, uh, I, I spoke at one audience, there was about 100, just over 100 people there. And when I was done talking about this idea of how to structure high performance analytics teams, I had never had so many people come up to me and talk to me after a talk. So that was the first moment I thought, there's something here. Maybe I should be focused on this. So that's when I changed directions. I haven't seen actually too many books about this topic. Do you think it's kind of a growing area to have analytics teams? I think in the past, it's been more haphazard within tech companies or smaller smaller teams, or there's one data guy, you know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean, Lauren, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I've been doing this for 30 plus years now, and it all grew from you know the 50s where it was operations research, and you had the one rather uh, unusual and usually someone who had poor personal hygiene in the background, you know, scrounging around with the data. Um, but now, you know, we've gotten to the point where it's a it's a strategic initiative for most corporations, and you do have teams of people working on it. So I really thought. This is, this is something. And when I started writing the book, I started teasing it on LinkedIn and I spoke to a couple publishers and, and their reaction was, well, there's never been a book like that. So there's not a market for a book like that. Mm -hmm. And my response was, there's never been a book like that because we're just moving into a new era. 
And this is the point at which people need a book like this. Mm-hmm. So I finally found Pact and they they uh, they agreed with me. So they ended up publishing the book. I'd like to come back to the book and, and talk a little bit more about it. But um, you mentioned that you've always been quite interested in sort of ethics as well. And I noticed that uh, I think you, you state that in your um, educational history on your LinkedIn that uh, you, you did a, a major in marketing, I believe, but you also took all of the core courses for liberal arts. And so you've always been quite interested in ethics. That's true. DePaul, uh, when I was at DePaul University doing my MBA, they were starting a new master's program called the Masters of Liberal Studies. And all the core courses were up and running, but they didn't have the complete uh, curriculum together. So I took all those classes as my electives. And it. I spoke to one of the professors recently and he said, well, yeah, that does constitute a minor in ethics. And I thought, isn't that the funniest thing that I got to a major in marketing with a minor in ethics. You know, they're kind of, it's almost an oxymoron, but that's just, <laughs> you know, I've always been interested in things that are always at opposing poles of ideas. Well, I think that puts you in a really good place um, to be maybe using analytics and building analytics teams, but also building remote teams. And so this is something that I've, I was quite interested in was, you know, as organizations, um, as organizations grow and expand, there tends to be I, I, I suspect there tends to be an amount of um, what you might call waste. So if you look at, uh, let's say, for example, a restaurant, then there's a certain amount of food that's going to be wasted, for sure. Uh, but if you look at an organization or a group of people doing work, there's a certain amount of work that tends to be wasted. And so I wonder, how does the sort of position of building analytics teams, and then also, I, I, I believe you uh, you mentioned in a previous conversation with me that you uh, have been working with your team remotely forever. And so how does how does that sort of tie in to the measurement of the quality of other people's work? It's a really good point. And, and you're right, Drew. In, in our conversations, we did hit upon the fact that I have been working remotely for 25 years now. So, uh, you know, the, the COVID situation is, is obviously terrible. And, and there's certainly a human toll being taken on people. And it's, it's really unfortunate. And and for that, I'm, I'm really, my heart goes out to people and my condolences goes to those that have lost family members. Um, Our team really, uh, and people like me, we, we thrive on remote work. You know, we don't need to be in an office. We don't really need to be sitting across from people. So the, it really hasn't changed the productivity of, of my team or the way I work because we're all, used to this. This is just the way we are wired. Um, you know, so working remotely is, is just a continuation of something that I've done for decades. Now, your concept of waste is a very intriguing one. And it's usually a second order effect that people don't think about. Um, your comparison to a restaurant is apt. Uh, what usually happens in a, an advanced analytics team is that people say, okay, uh, Lauren, we're going to give you a set of work and Drew, we're going to give you a set of work. And, you know, this is the big project you're working on. And that is probably the most inefficient way to allocate work in an advanced analytics team. And what it does is it sets up a paradigm where there's a huge amount of time wasted because, you know, when Lauren needs to get her data, she has to rely on other people to do it. So she tells people what they need and then she's sitting around waiting. And then when Drew gets his data, 
he may have to transform it in some way, or maybe he's got to get a software package, or he's got to consult with a subject matter expert. And all that time, you're sitting around waiting for other people to give you the things that you need to do your work. Advanced analytics teams is a team sport. And it's not just a team amongst themselves. It's a team that's connecting to external providers. It's connecting to subject matter experts. It's connecting to executives. And not everybody is just available when you need them. You have to work on their schedule and you have to schedule meetings and those kind of things. So the way we do it, the way I do it, is that everybody has their own personal portfolio of projects. So you have two big projects that you're working on and you may have two or three or four smaller projects. So when you run across the situation where your two big projects are delayed for no fault of yours, you're either waiting for something or something else has to happen before you can move forward, you can work on your smaller projects and you can toggle back and forth between your big projects. So what you end up with is you end up with a high performance team where all your data scientists are utilized at a 90 plus percent rate and they're not burning out. They're having fun. They're moving back and forth. They're working on visualization They're working on acquiring data. They're working on refining a model. So you give them a personal portfolio that they have control over that has a wide variety of work that they get a chance to pick and choose and schedule what they want to do every day. Let me ask maybe, um, it, it might sound like a, a basic question or a, a silly question, but what is analytics? <laughs> it's not as silly as you would think. Um, I have that conversation multiple times every day. I have people that come to me and say, I, I would like to understand, you know, this phenomena. And it's really nothing more than a trend. You know, can you show me how many white widgets were sold over this time, you know, on this calendar? And I'm like, that's not analytics. That's just a report. Uh, you know, the way I think of it is that there are simple reports that show you things that happened in the past, not analytics. There are business intelligence dashboards that mash together different pieces of information and give you reports and graphs. Again, not analytics. Then as you move up, you start to get into descriptive statistics, you know, means, modes, different things like that. We're starting to talk about analytics. Then you get into predictive analytics, moving into prescriptive analytics, moving into simulation and optimization. Anything from descriptive statistics to optimization, those are analytics. So when you get to the point of prediction and simulation, I suppose that's when you're looking at uh, machine learning. That's yeah, exactly. Once you get past descriptive statistics and in analytics project, usually the way we do it is that we obtain the data we need or the different data sets we need and we integrate them together. And then we'll run a whole raft of descriptive analytics on it to try to understand the shape and profile of the data, make sure it's complete, see if there's any trends in it, see if there's correlations, you know, you know, co-correlations and different things like that. Once we run all that descriptive statistics, then we know the data set we have, and then we start working on the more advanced analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning models to try to predict different patterns that might be in the data or that might happen in the future. And what sort of things might you apply that to? Pretty much anything. Uh, you know, someone asked me when I was at Dell, uh, they said, why do you enjoy your job so much? Because I am so passionate about my work. And I said, well, you know, this morning I was talking to a manufacturer about the optimum flow of oil through a plant that's going to make mayonnaise. And this afternoon, I'm going to be talking to a large European bank about credit fraud. What 
other job can you think of in the world? Do you get to always talk to the smartest people in the room and hear them tell you their strategic problems that you are going to take their data and solve for them? So how does that tie in to building teams and how much of the book is about actually building teams? The whole book. The whole book. 100%, 100% of the book is about <laughs> building teams. It's one of those things that, you know, I, I've been doing this, you know, for so long and I've done it over and over again and I've made every mistake you could possibly make. Um, but I'm tenacious. I get past that mistake and I go on and I make other mistakes, but I don't make the same mistakes twice. Uh, so what I did is I just sat down and I thought about it you know, what are all the things that have, have really made analytics teams optimal, you know, all the way from who do you want on the team to hiring and firing to neurodiversity, diversity and inclusion, um, executive engagement, uh, you know, the personal uh, project portfolio that we talked about, how leaders need to have emotional and social intelligence. You know, it just the whole book is really focused on building analytics teams and understanding the practicalities of doing that. You can certainly put together a, a, a team of superstars. There's no doubt about it. You know, some people are just awesome at hiring people uh, and they can have a great team. But if that team doesn't fit into the organization, doesn't work well with subject matter experts, doesn't work well with executives, doesn't understand the friction points that happen in enterprises when you're moving from trying to understand a phenomena to improving that process with data to putting that system into production, that team will not be successful. That team won't stay at that organization and they more than likely will fail at their mission. So it's about building teams, but it's also about how that team operates in an enterprise context. That's really interesting, John. Um, I've seen a lot of kind of different variations of big and small analytics, single person to big teams in different companies. What do you think is uh, the best or what do you recommend uh, way for a team of uh, an analytics team to work with an organization? Like how, how do people engage that team um, is they're kind of like a pipeline. I think for technology, it's a little bit more clear. It's like, I don't know, do you use Agile or Scrum or, um, you know, whatever process, but how do you see that working for analytics teams best? It's a great question. You know, we don't, I don't really think too much about, is it a waterfall uh, methodology? Is it an Agile methodology? Do we have stand-up meetings? Those are all project management fads that come and go. Mm -hmm. um, you really, I really just look at the people and, mm -hmm. and say, you know, how do they work best? Some people work best as individuals. There's a, there's a story in my book where we had, I had an employee that, you know, I was given the employee and, and I was given the mission to fire that employee. And, and I just thought, I, you know, you're not giving the guy a chance. I mean, he was, he, he, he did really have questionable personal hygiene and he did suffer from uh, narcolepsy and he had a you know a bunch of unfortunate traits but when you really talk to him he really liked to work from like 10 at night to six in the morning and that just doesn't really fit in with a with a team model and most most people don't think it does so what i told him to do is i gave him this really high level strategic project and i told him to never come back to the office just work from his home and he completed the project and I presented it to the manager, the senior management, the leadership of the company. And they were, they were like, oh my God, this is some of the best work we've ever seen. 
which consultant did you have do this? Did you hire McKinsey? Did you hire Deloitte? Who did it? And I said, well, Leo did it. And they were just flabbergasted. And I'm like, the dude's great. You just didn't give him a chance. So, you know, it's one of those things that you have to look at the people you're working with and, and give them a chance to succeed before you decide that they're not worth doing it for or doing it with. And then the other aspect, of course, is the size of the team. I've never been a big believer that you need hundreds of people to do analytics work. I've always thought of the, you know, the ninja or SWAT team approach where, uh, you know, six to 10 people can move the world if they're uh, directed and motivated correctly. And I've, I've always worked under that model. So any of my analytics teams that I have generally are not any more than 25 or 30 people at the most. So going back to um, the, the first example there, I thought that was very interesting. Um, and I think it ties into uh, a question that I had about, about analytics uh, as well. And I, I, I suppose that maybe this is a bit of a naive question, but um, oftentimes uh, what happened to Leo there was management might have looked at the signals that he was sending uh, or the way that they were receiving or reading those signals and thought this person just doesn't belong here. Whereas you were able to sort of take those signals and say, okay, well, let's let's stop sending these signals to management, get him out of here, uh, let him go do his work in a way that he's comfortable doing it, and then let's show the work. Um, so how do you sort of uh, account for reading the signals correctly uh, or looking for the correct signals to read? I guess that's maybe the better question. How do you yeah. find the right signals? Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm not here to say that I'm any better than anyone else at reading the signals, that's for sure. I have certainly misread people and they have misled me and have been successful in doing that in the past. But, you know, over time, the work speaks for itself. You know, you either can do the work or you can't do the work. And, you know, I am a firm believer that work is a meritocracy that, you know, I, I, I try to be as humanistic as I possibly can. But if I've given you three projects and they've all failed and you're the common element in them, I think there's something we need to examine there. Um, you know, I try to look for the best in people. You know, are they good at communicating? Are they be one of the best mathematicians I've ever met? Do they, are they really good at data acquisition and integration? There's plenty of work to be done in the advanced analytics field and, and in the analytics workflow. So if you can find out where people have a passion for and what they're good at, you can usually build a job that they'll they'll excel at. Um, but there are some people that are just you, you just can't have them on your team and you need to get rid of them as soon as possible. So I think it's it's just being open, listening, listening a lot and watching what, what people actually do rather than what they tell you. And then you can figure it out pretty clearly. It sounds like a lot of the stuff, uh, maybe the the flavor of the book and your expertise and experiences, obviously, uh, in analytics and around building analytics teams. Um, but it sounds like a lot of this stuff might be applicable for uh, for team building in general, and especially, I think, something like a, a technical team. Yeah, there is, there is a lot of there is a, a lot of applicability uh, just to humans because people do make up the team. So that that is true. There is a baseline there. But the one thing that I do reinforce through the book over and over again is that building an analytics team is not the same as building a development team. Uh, we often hear executives, non-technical executives say, you know, hey, we just finished this big enterprise resource planning uh, project with SAP or Oracle. 
we've got all these people sitting around. Why don't we have them do the advanced analytics? It's not the same skill set. It just doesn't work the same way. Uh, you do have project management and some of the other, you know, surrounding skills that are there. But someone who's good at, at you know, configuring a business intelligence dashboard, I can guarantee you is not going to be good a good R developer or a good Python developer or understand what problems a neural network is good at solving. So um, you're, you're right. There is some commonality in basic team building, but there's also a set of technical skills and a mindset in an analytics team that is dramatically different than anything you'll see in any other technology or development team. Now, you also had a, another book uh, called Analytics. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. That book's called Analytics, How to Win with Intelligence. And that book came about because I was working at Dell and I was traveling around the world and I was meeting with a significant number of non-technical executives, CEOs, COOs, CFOs. And I'd be talking about analytics and you could see that they were apprehensive, that they were nervous about talking about data and analytics. And I started asking, you know, why am I getting this sense, this reticence when we're having this conversation? And the, the answers always came back that they didn't understand data, they didn't understand analytics, and they didn't understand the type of people that actually delivered on those promises. So I thought, okay, I'll write a, a, a very easy to read book, simple book, very clear, that is for those executives, those non-technical executives. You could get on a plane in Chicago and fly to London and finish it. It's, it's not that thick. It's just under 200 pages. And really what it is, is it's a primer on understanding how much money you need to spend to hire an analytics team, who you should hire as a leader, what kind of people you should hire, what you can expect them to do, what you should not expect them to do, and how you can get that team up and running and be successful as an organization with a brand new analytics function. Interesting. And um, did you talk to a lot of those executives throughout um, writing that book? Actually, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to them before I started writing the book. And then after I saw so many people who were just, I mean, literally freaked out about the idea of analytics and hiring you know, a bunch of analytics professionals, I thought, this is almost like a public service. They need this book. So I, did, I just sat down and cranked it out. Absolutely. Do you find that um, the other side of the coin occurs as well, where analytics professionals don't understand executives sometimes? <laughs> Sorry for the laugh. Yes. But um, yeah, that's why I wrote the second book. Um, you know, the, the, the books are actually corollaries of each other is, mm -hmm. is really how they were written. Uh, the first book was for the executives to understand how to get started. The second book's for the senior managers to understand how to deal with the executives. I mean, if you really get down to the core of it. Uh, so you're absolutely right, Lauren. You know, many of the advanced analytics leaders and team members are terrified of going and talking to business executives. And that's one of the things that I work with my team all the time. We just got through uh, a set of training. One was on uh, presentation training. Mm -hmm. And another was on data visualization training. And, you know, those th two things together, if you get better at both of them, will really help any analytics professional survive a meeting with the executives. So uh, I've, got, I've got young people that are right out of undergraduate. I've got some graduate students. I've got a couple of experienced people. 
and all of them at this point are now willing and ready and able to go down and sit with a CEO or a senior vice president or executive vice president and, and have a, you know, an hour long conversation about data and analytics and be comfortable doing so. So it's a, it's a widespread um, area of discomfort for analytics professionals, I guess the best way to say it. So good call out, Lauren. So what is your, uh, what's your, do you, or do you have uh, a process for writing a book? Yeah, that's, that's a, a good question too. I, um, I, I challenged myself on this last book. I, I, as I said, I was writing a different book on AI and ethics and then I just stopped and I, I took a little bit of time over the holidays and thought about what people had told me at my presentations. And I said to myself, okay, I'm going to start on January 1st and I'm going to write a 10 chapter book somewhere between 300 and 350 pages. And I want to see how fast I can do it. So I grew up in Michigan near, near Canada. Yeah. Hey. And, uh, and, you know, worked on farms and worked in my dad's auto repair shop. So I'm always, I was wired to get up early in the morning. So I wrote the book, the entire book between January 1st and April 13th. So it's a hundred thousand words, four, 400 pages in three and a half months. And what I would do is when I went to bed, I would think about what I wanted to write the next day. And sometimes I'd get up at three in the morning and I'd get at my keyboard and I would just sit down and it would just spill out. So I basically wrote part of the book while I was sleeping. Fascinating. So you said you wanted to do 10 chapters. Did you set out sort of a guideline of what those chapters would be? Yeah, I did. I, um, I sat down and I wrote out the 10 chapter headings. And then I wrote out all the subheadings in the chapters. And then I started writing the book. And I, would, I wrote the first chapter. Well, I wrote the introduction, which turned out to be a complete overview of the book. I'd never done it that way before, but I did. And it, it was like 13 pages, which was the outline for the book. Uh, and then I just started writing it and, and I started, uh, announcing it on LinkedIn. So it was like, Hey, I'm going to write this book, everybody. And I'd never used social media like that before. Um, I wrote chapter one, I wrote chapter two and, and people were encouraging and they were really great about it saying, you know, Hey, that's fantastic. Go for it. Uh, and then I got to one chapter, I think it might be seven or eight. And I was curious about what people were thinking about the chief data officer or chief analytics officer title. So I put a question out to LinkedIn and I had never seen a dialogue happen like this before. It, it just was went on for days and days and days and it had people from all over the world and people who are analytics experts and industry analysts and everybody commenting on it. So I asked everybody, would you mind if I reproduce this dialogue as part of one of my chapters? And everybody said, yep, go ahead, do it. Uh, so I lightly edited it. And actually, that became a significant part of one of the chapters in the book. You kind of know you hit on to something when you spark a conversation on social media like that. And then being able to integrate that back into the book, it sounds like uh, you really hit on something that needs to be talked about. Yeah, I was I, I was really pleasantly surprised that people were so passionate and interested in it. Um, another part of the book, which has really been pleasantly surprising, is that um, the the dialogue on social media has really taken off. The book remains, you know, a couple of weeks or uh, now a month and a half into it, still in the top one percent of sales of all books on Amazon. So it's it's really been embraced. But there's an audience that I I hadn't really thought about at all. Uh, there's a whole group of young professionals and, and students too, students that are in the final 
phases of their undergraduate and graduate uh, education that are apprehensive about what the world of work really looks like. And, and they want to be data scientists. They want to be analytics professionals. So there's a group of people in those categories that are buying the book and reading it so they have a better idea of what the world of work is going to look like for them and what is going to be expected of them. So I, I've, I've really been quite humbled by their dialogue and the way they're coming to me and saying, I read your book and thank you so much. I, I was really afraid of what's going to happen in my first job. And this has been very helpful. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people that have had 20 years, 30 years career in analytics that have been coming back and saying, wow, I wish I had this book 10 years ago. I didn't know that, that I wasn't the only one that were having these challenges and problems. So it's, uh, it's been well received. That sounds amazing. I'm really looking forward to reading the book. So I guess a question for you, what's been more popular, uh, electronic version or paperback? Really great question. And I would have thought that this kind of book would have done better in electronic form, but it's not true. It's been more of a physical book that people are buying. Uh, some people, you know, were getting reviews constantly coming in on Amazon and, and, you know, comments on LinkedIn. One fellow yesterday took pictures of a couple pages where he had actually you know, underlined it very, uh, very vigorously and put stars next to it and, and, you know, wrote comments in the, in the, in the margins and things like that. So there seems to be a, a, a desire to have a physical book and to be able to scribble in it and take notes and annotate it. So um, hard copy. Well, I think you're uh, about to get another sale for your hard copy. I just ordered <laughs> one from Amazon. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks very much, John, for joining us. I'm really looking forward to reading your book, and I, I'm sure Lauren is as well. And we'd love to have you back on after so we can dive a little bit more into this topic. I'd love it. That would be great. And thank you guys for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Talking to you guys feels like I'm just in my living room having a, having a discussion. So it's been really enjoyable. Uh, I've loved it. I'm looking forward to come back. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at VanTechPodcast. Feel free to leave comments below episodes on our website. Also find us on YVR Dev and VanTech Slack teams at Lauren and at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for sponsoring us with an integration that allows for cross-messaging channels such as hashtag VanDevs. And thanks to our sponsor, CompSci Academy. Learn software development with master developers from first principles and accelerate your career. Music by Ashella McPitt from the game Architect.